This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime. And PayPal is a one-time donation. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. And you can find us on our YouTube channel with the same name. And you can start watching the episodes as they're released. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I'm Rani Shatah. And this is The Beirut Banyan. First thing I should say is salam tak. I'm I'm happy you're doing well. I uh, maybe a bit of a background sort of introduction that uh, you're very kind to do this, and you were even willing to try and record at a time that you were quarantined. So that means that I have a very sort of uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> and I know. Both... I mean, I mean, I mean, quarantine is is quite boring, you know. So oh, right. uh, that, that, <laughs> that 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 sounded like something that that could spice it up a bit, you know. Yeah. But uh, but you're probably right. I mean, like you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I noticed later that that I was got quite a bit of fatigue, you know. So. And then I would have said maybe it's unfair in case you wanted to get a point across and sort of you start sweating and fall asleep. I'm like that that would be my fault. I should wait a bit. So, but I'm glad we within days. Wasn't that bad. It was that's good to hear. I'm I'm glad you're fine. That's hey Ahemshi, you're you're doing fine. And I'm, I'm in a way I'm honored that you're willing to uh, explore terrain that at wow. times is is rather sensitive in the Lebanese context. Mm-hmm. And sure. I read your I read the ICG report that came out. It was early no early November, if I'm not mistaken, November 10, if I, if I got that date correct. Yeah. It's just uh, I mean, there were several, right? You know, so there was that that right. one. There was sure. one before in July. Mm-hmm. Shorter papers in between. You know. Yeah. So we have done quite a bit. So you've done awesome. you've done a lot. And, and the, the most recent one, I, I I hope I got this right. This is the one that avoiding polarization in Lebanon. Yes, that's, that's the right. one that's early November. And yes. I think it's it's sort of it speaks to the moment that there is a there is a rift, if you will, in terms of how to how to address a rather complicated subject, at least in, in terms of economic reform, political reform. And I'm going to link uh, I'm going to link the report to the episode. So anyone listening, it's in the details box. I, uh, I want to emphasize that we sort of this is a fr- perhaps at times friendly disagreement on certain things. And I, I look forward to these conversations. I've done a few of them. It's great to find those sort of areas of common common understanding and then flush out what may be disagreements or, or may not, maybe misunderstandings. Sure. So if you don't mind, we can sort of jump right into it and sort of address the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is, for better or worse, Hezbollah. And that's that's the sort of I know the report touches on many things and it kind of offers a, a deep dive into how Lebanon reached where it is right now. But the issue of Hezbollah's weapons or addressing those weapons does come up, at least in terms of how to tackle all of the above, meaning the economic crisis, financial crisis and the political crisis that has engulfed us. So if you don't mind, we can start maybe with whether or not I'm misunderstanding the, the wider point. 
Do you sense, and I'm speaking as, I'm asking you as somebody who's sort of involved in the report. I, I don't know if you authored the report. Maybe you're sort of the background voice in the report, but I'll sort of it's take- co-authored. Co-authored. I'll take, I'll take liberty assuming I can ask you these directly, and these yeah. are sort of from, yeah. from your mind. Do you sense that Hezbollah's weapons today are the main stumbling block to reform? Meaning, meaning that- is there the ability to, to veto or to derail or at times sort of stunt the post-war reconstruction of Lebanon? It's a long time, 30 years. I know Hezbollah's role has sort of increased in the last 15. But where we are right now, do they have in a way the final say on whether or not certain reforms even happen? putting state security, putting sovereignty on the side for now, putting foreign policy on the side, just in terms of reform, are they the, mm. are they the main stumbling block in, in your mind? Or are they sort of simply mm. part of the story, that they play a role, but it shouldn't be overemphasized? And that kind of goes back into the whole discussion about killon yani killon. But from your side, is Hezbollah paramount? Or is it sort of not that it's a background actor, at least when it comes to reform? All right. So, um, I mean, if you want a very short answer, the answer is no. Right? Okay. Um, I would not say that right now they are the, the most um, or the, the veto player, the obstacle, the, the stumbling stone for reform. But you need to, uh, I think you need to clarify or you need to, or we need to understand each other what kind of reform, what scope of reforms, reforms we're talking about, right? Mm. So, uh, if you talk about um, about overhauling the whole system uh, towards um, something that um, me and you would probably like to see uh, in Lebanon, uh, i.e., let's say a liberal democracy uh, with the rule of law, good governance, you know, all this uh, you have in, 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 in the nice UN language, and uh, <laughs> what. What, what perhaps is the reality, the actually reality, perhaps in, in, in Sweden or countries like that, um, go to other European countries is already becomes a bit, can become a bit, uh, bit uh, messy, right? Um, so if, if, if that's, if that's your, if this like vision of reform is what you're aiming for and, and you ask the question that, put the question that way, uh, then sure. I mean, I mean, then of course I would absolutely agree that um, in in uh, in a system like that, in a situation like that, um, a, a, an organization like Hezbollah cannot exist. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. An organization like Hezbollah cannot exist, uh, nor can I think any of the other parties really, or nor can any of the other parties operate the way they operate now. But I mean, the the like, let's say the the contradiction or the disconnect between what a situation like that would demand from any player and what for, uh, and what these players are that disconnect is of course the biggest uh, for Hezbollah that is clear you know you have a party that uh, does its own foreign policy you know that dictates its own foreign policy uh, on the rest of the Lebanese so they they start wars they um, they intervene in regional conflict without any asking anybody's opinion right and so, I mean, that obviously is something that cannot exist in a, in, a, in a political order like we have them in Sweden, like we have it in Sweden, 
uh, in a political order like Belgium wants to be or Holland claims to be or Germany claims to be. This is absolutely not possible. Now, if we're talking about the reforms that are actually, that are actually um, feasible, conceivable, Mm. In the Lebanese, in the current Lebanese situation, you know, that are required, of course, the story is a bit, I would say the story is different, mm. quite different indeed, mm. you know. So, so, and I'm not sure if you saw or read that uh, latest World Bank uh, report, the Lebanese Economic Monitoring, oh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yes, yeah? yes, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Came, out, came out a week ago, I think. Yeah. Right? And the interesting part is in, in that report, you have like, they say, well, you know, there are these two scenarios let's say these two dimensions of reform and one is this, this complete overhaul of the system implementing tariff uh, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the whole the whole story and the second one is uh, and uh, is uh, you know basically try to work around the current system with the current system with the current players right. do something feasible right yes mm-hmm. So and then and then we were talking about something like uh, like an, 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 an the, the the famous audit of BDL, you know, so that we can actually come to the point where we know what how much how big the losses losses mm-hmm. are in the financial system, so that you can actually fix the financial system. Yes, because we can't have an economy without uh, without banks. <laughs> Quite simple, you know, sure. yeah. and you can't do that unless you fix you, you clean up the central bank. You know, that's one example. We'd have to think about how to uh, how to uh, reach a point where the state can fund its budget without printing money, huh? right. yeah. and without get, borrowing excessively because nobody will borrow, uh, will lend the Lebanese anymore, and so on. And so, so some very basic things: uh, pr- procurement laws, procurement mm. practices, to you know, like reduce the scope of corruption. I mean, you cannot root it out in short. So things like that, you know, like um, like a set, a pretty clear set of measures, which I would argue are, are quite achievable. You know, they are possible to do uh, in the current situation, uh, but they threaten the political model, the political motu, modus operandi of, of right. the existing parties. Yes. And when it comes to those, to those reforms, um, I don't think Hezbollah is a problem, you know. I, I don't think they, uh, I mean, the problem are the allies. If anything, it's the allies of Hezbollah. You know, the problem is that Hezbollah cannot uh, afford to see uh, its partners, Amal and the FPM, uh, basically fall apart. And it's quite, and the question is, if you do these reforms, these procurement reforms, if you, if you really reduce the scope for clientelism, can the allies of Hezbollah survive? And if they can't, if they don't survive, then where does that leave the party? So there it becomes complicated, and they would say, I think there um, one one should have an, an, a discussion with them, you know. And 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 I know I know these discussion discussions have happened internally, and maybe they're still happening about, uh, you know, is it really is it really uh, should we really cover up for all these corrupt practices because we need these people, you know? And um, so that is a, a long discussion, but it, it's a discussion that would include all the other parties as well. In my mind, I see it very hard to achieve something that's long, long-term. And I know you kind of, you pointed at that, that Hezbollah may not be so opposed to small reform. And that may actually, may not even be of their concern per se, that they're, they're fine with it. But at least mm-hmm. in terms of something that that sticks, so that Lebanon does not sort of, endlessly get itself tied into regional war and regional conflict and and where we are right now and maybe just you can gauge my mind on that and I, 
whether or not I'm even asking it the right way, at least when it comes to mm. the, the issue of weapons and why, why you would argue that it should be on the back burner, at, at least for now. Mm. Okay. So, so first of all, um, now, I mean, of course, the, the, the existence of these weapons is damaging. There's no question about it, mm, you know? mm. and and um, and at least the perception of uh, some regional uh, uh, players uh, that these weapons are in the service of uh, the Iranians, of a service of an Iranian uh, hegemonic project, uh, if you want to call it that, um, uh, that is damaging. You know, I mean, Lebanon cannot live. I think, economically speaking. Uh, Lebanon cannot live, or at least loses a lot economically, uh, if it's if the connect if the if relations economic relations to the Gulf are severed. You know, if the Gulf, right. yeah, there, there, there's a cost to that. Absolutely, there's no mm. question mm. about that. So, mm. so um, and I mean, very clearly, uh, involving Lebanon in war, uh, of course, comes at a tremendous cost. You know, yeah. and then. Uh, there's no no need to discussion to discuss that and uh, and of course uh, involving it in a war that doesn't serve its interests uh, and I, it's hard to see which war would serve its interest really yeah um, it, it, all of all of this is is tremendously damaging the mm. question is can we do something about it at this particular point mm. Mm. can we do something about it um, and so and so and and already that question right now is a bit um, uh, the answer become has a bit become a bit more complicated uh, since the mm. u.s elections right because there is a chance uh, perhaps i don't know how big that chance is but there is a chance that uh, we may see within a year or two um, uh, a trend or regional detente let's say you know reducing region, uh, regional mm. tensions mm. the u.s going back to the gcpoa um, the u.s yes. trying to address some of the regional conflicts, uh, maybe not solving them, but re reducing the tension, Yemen, Iraq, and Lebanon, indeed. You know? so, so perhaps in this context, uh, the danger of, uh, of or the, 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 the danger that these weapons uh, pose um, uh, of, of really leading to actual conflict, you know? mm -hmm. and the degree mm -hmm. to, which, to which they alienate the Gulf in particular, perhaps can be reduced. Uh, I'm we have to see it's uh, not definitely not a not a foretold story you know i mean mm -hmm. that this can can go the other way as well and we don't know whether when the us go back to the table if they actually find the iranians there right 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 so so that that that's about the weapons as like a threat now to to come closer to your question so what does it do if we try to address them now you know um, there are two things I think that we have to that we have to um, keep in mind or realize. So, so one thing is, um, at the end of the day, um, Hezbollah is part of a larger um, ideological project. Hmm? I mean, what you could call exes, mahwal muqawama, blah blah, exes of resistance, you know. And of course, this is a larger. This larger ideological project has to do with uh, U.S. hegemony in the region perceived yeah. by them as such, has yeah. to do with Israel and all of this. And it's, it's almost, I would say, it's nearly the, the, the same conflict uh, that Lebanon was stuck in in 1975, you know, right. with the right. same, yes. same issue, like, do we want to be part of this conflict, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, which, uh, which is basically is for Palestine against Israel, for Jerusalem, blah, 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 mm. or do we not? Do we want to keep out of it? You know? so, and that's, 
the question is, is uh, still the same. The actors have changed, uh, at least on, on, the, on the Arab side. Of, they're no Arabs anymore, but there is Iran. Uh, there is perhaps Turkey that is still concerned about, about Jerusalem. So, mm. so, so we are in that situation, and it's, and, but it's an ideological project that Hezbollah pursues. And um, there's very little doubt in my mind that, uh, um, that this ideological project, if it really would come to push would really come to shove. Mm. If it really is about choosing between the survival of Lebanon and, this, uh, and the survival of the ideological project, you know, that Hezbollah would go for the second, right? That Hezbollah would go for the survival of the ideological project. And we can right. think about scenarios like that, like attack on Iran, you know, does Hezbollah do, mm -hmm. join, mm -hmm. does Lebanon Right. Lebanon through Hezbollah joined this conflict. Although we can think about it. It's not so yeah. difficult to come up with these scenarios. Yeah? But there's one thing. If you push them in the corner, and if you force them to choose between, the, between, those, between that project and Lebanon, I think they will choose their ideological problem, uh, project. I mean, resistance is their, their um, reason for, for existence, you know, giving it up. Um, to become just another Lebanese party, maybe to, to eke out a few more bits and pieces uh, for Shia representation, uh, you know, I mean, is not, uh, you know, then they might as well all go, go to Harakat Amar. You know? It's like, it's not, it's not what, what they're about. Mm -hmm. yeah? so, and now we come to the reform thing. So I said before, and I stand by that, uh, that reforms, smaller reforms, even I think far-reaching reforms, um, um, would not, they would, I don't think they would be, have an issue with that. Um, mm -hmm. um, they have an issue, I think, with, uh, with instability. They fear instability uh, yeah. uh, a lot, you know? yeah. and we, which is why they're very conservative and, and the status quo player and all of that, all of this. Uh, but if, large, if a larger, wider scope of reform, specifically to subdue, to like bring down clientelism, to uh, reduce, the, the relevance of sectarianism in the political system, if that could be executed in a safe ma manner, which is, of course, a, I mean, it's very unlikely, you know, but I'm not sure, that, I'm not so sure they would stand against it. What, what we've heard from them again and again is the concern about stability, you know. So may, they would go with that. May, may I, I'm going to just no. interject for a moment and we'll go back to this point because I think it's worth, it's worth maybe getting to the details here. Would it be fair to, to argue that Lebanon is in its currently extremely unstable state because of a group like Hezbollah having control over certain key factors within the Lebanese state. And what I mean by that is not day-to-day -day violence or not necessarily mm -hmm. civil unrest, or even mm -hmm. for that matter, uh, something that's maybe far likely, something that hints at 1975. Not, not, not that, but more than that, there is a there is a proxy group that is able to wield violence at on its mm -hmm. terms and and back down on its terms, and mm -hmm. also maybe in a sense keep certain players on their terms and get rid of certain players on their terms, mm -hmm. and and suddenly you have a a status quo which is a very unappealing one. It's either direct or indirect supporters of the status quo, and a lot of them are very unpopular at the moment. Even their allies, which we kind of, which we touched on, that they're being protested at regularly. But I mean it in terms of that this is not necessarily a stable situation. That that Hezbollah has created its version of stability. 
which is mm -hmm. perhaps an unappealing, uh, unappealing status quo to those that would rather have a functioning state. And I'm keeping it very broad here because I don't really, I mean, there's years and years of examples here, but I mean it just in that, is this really the stability that we want and whether or not it's on Hezbollah's terms? Well, it's not stability at all, you know, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's not, I mean, clearly not. But the question is, I mean, I would throw the question back at you. Mm -hmm. I mean, who has created the situation exactly, you know? I mean, is it Hezbollah that has created the situation? Um, um, you know, I mean, so, I mean, who, like, like, if we're talking about the immediate threats that I, I mean, and that this is what concerns us because we are, in the end, we are a conflict prevention organization. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, so, yeah. so, 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 I mean, I mean, we, I mean, we care, first of all, that people don't kill each other and don't shoot at each other, right? So, so, I mean, the immediate threat right now that I see is, and, and that we see, I mean, it says mm. so in, the, in that briefing, is state collapse or state erosion. You know, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. collapse yeah. sounds dramatic. I think state erosion is, is probably, or decomposition or whatever, is the better, maybe the better term. You know, and that is simply uh, happening because um, the state cannot pay its employees. You know, very simple, you know. I mean, so, so right now we are in a situation where um, a soldier... Or um, or a policeman, yeah, uh, w uh, earns the equivalent of two hundred dollars a month uh, by the black market rate, or less, or one hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars. Uh, it's it's not it's not doesn't mean that he had, that these people have lost have lost seventy or seventy five percent of their real purchase power because not everything has been adjusted to the black market rate of the dollar, but at least 50%, I can think we can mm -hmm. say they have lost, you know, and we, and we waiting for the day when they're going to lift the subsidies for gas and wheat and farm and medicine, you know, and then that loss will really become 80%, you know, so the state cannot pay its employees anymore, uh, or it cannot no longer pay a living wage, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And that includes, of course, the security forces, you know, mm, so yes. what are these people, what are, what are these people going to do? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, they need a second income, right? They need a second income or, they, or a second paymaster, you know? So, and, and this will happen and in, all, in all branches of the state. Just the security um, sector is, of course, the most alarming one, you know? I mean, if the, if the whatever, you know, doesn't work anymore, you know, if people don't show up anymore there, right, you know? I mean, and, and if, 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 if at the Nufus, there's nobody there and you have to wait forever to get your large uh, aid. It's annoying, you know. But this sounds but like the, per, uh, personal involved. I can see it that you've had to do with this as well. <laughs> I think all of us actually, know what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> actually, 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 the Lebanese bureaucracy I find works really reasonably well. You oh, know? Maybe, okay, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's because when they see a white face, they don't expect they don't they're not asking for a bribe, and if they see a Lebanese, they do. I don't know. But now doesn't matter. Doesn't you know? So. <laughs> So, but but that is you know I mean these things are annoying but not maybe at least for a while not crucial mm. but security you know and I mean we think about other I mean the, the whole medical system you know they're like they're like crucial sectors that will stop working you know mm. when, because simply these people can't be paid anymore you know and uh, and so 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 that is the the, the what concerns us right now at, uh, primarily you know so who has created the situation. Hezbollah, you know, who has created the disaster in the banking system? Hezbollah, Hezbollah alone, Hezbollah's weapons. That's it's not that's not the that's not the reason behind the behind the financial engineering, you know, right? So, and if we're talking about 
we extend that for the longer term, you know, the, the, the 40 years or 30 years since, since 1990, you know. The political, the, the economic uh, model that was created in 1990 um, in the long run has led us to where we are now. This model was created by Rafik al-Hariri, okay? And, and not, of, of course, not him, not him alone, but uh, he was the, the father, if you want, of that system. And, um, and it went bankrupt several times, right? Before 2016 or 19, you know? So in, we reached 200% uh, percent, uh, um, um, debt to GDP ratio for the first time, I believe, in 2000. You know? And then you had Paris 1, Paris 2, Paris 3, you know? And this has been going on for 30 years. Hezbollah at some point entered that game, right? And at some point they started getting involved more and more and they sometimes, at some point they started, I mean, they always backed up people, uh, parties that were deeply, deeply in the game, like, like Amal. So you cannot say, oh, they only entered 2016. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're like as, as, as wide as, no, of course not, yeah. you know. Yeah. But this whole order, this inst instable order was created in, 1930, in 1990 mm. in the post-war by, by a system that's basically, or by a, the attempt to rebuild the Lebanese state uh, together with the warlords. You know, and together with the warlords and to and a party that kept its weapons, you know. Mm. But I mean, you know, like everybody, like uh, all political forces in the end, in one way or another, participated and benefited from all of this. And all of this has brought us to where we are now, you know. So, so, this, so, so to say that uh, to say that the current instability goes back to the arms of Hezbollah, I think, is is not accurate. So I'll, if you want. I'll... No, I, I'd like, I mean, this is, I think, worth maybe a healthy exchange, but I mean, I, I won't, I'll try not to drift too far from the report, but I'll, I'll sort of address it as, as it sort of fits naturally. And I think actually that's why I enjoyed reading this report. It's a, it's a reminder of the long view. It goes back 30 years, it actually goes back even further, but I like that it's almost a step-by-step -step analysis of what's at stake. So I, I appreciate the I appreciate the length of it. It gets you at, towards the end of state erosion and state decomposition at, at the end. So it's sort of like the this is how we got of, here. It's one of our shorter ones. It's <laughs> it's, a, it's one of the, our shorter formats. <laughs> well you know what? I, I finished it I, I read it several times. Maybe that's why I kind of I got away with it. I was like, oh this is short enough okay. to read a few times. But I, I that's I'll, I'll, well no no and I I'll I'll maybe I'll push back uh, appropriately, and you tell me if I'm if, if there's agreement or disagreement here. I, I would put Hezbollah as primary to the breakdown, M meaning meaning not not the last three years, not the financial engineering, not the not the not the stuff that has become common lexicon, and the economic uh, mm -hmm. all those interest rates that we saw skyrocketing, all the all the all the mm -hmm. Ponzi-like scheming that we sort of we talk about it on a mm -hmm. daily basis. I, not that more in that. I mean, Hezbollah has assassinated many Lebanese officials, and they've been directly accused of Rafi Hariri's death. So that's they, they've been instrumental in in the political in, in implementing a, a level of violence within the political scene in Lebanon. That, that I think is not something that can easily be shelved, and they 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 played a primary primary role in uh, in targeting in politicians that see otherwise. That that's one, and the other one is that. Their involvement in war, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying Hezbollah is the reason why every conflict has sort of impacted Lebanon. 
But at the end of the day, the Syrian war did take its toll on Lebanon. And I think, I think, and you tell me if this is a fair analysis, their ability to help preserve a very unstable situation in Syria has consequences to Lebanon and economic consequences as well. It's not just fighting on, the, on behalf of Assad. Add to that, the tourism industry, I mean, it's almost, we take it for granted now that Lebanon has every, every so often we're waiting for another war. And I think it's, it's, it's sort of, we, we adjust, it's, it's interesting. I think we adjust to these things. It's almost every few years, when is the next war with Israel? And when is the next war with Israel? In 1996, that war was, was devastating, 2006 even more so. And 2006, I think, and I, I think the report sort of touches on this, that there was division at that point, whether or not this is something that Lebanon can, can cope with. So that, that has its uh, long-term devastating effects. And I would argue Doha, the 2008 national unity thing that emerged, was not sort of real national unity where parties are sort of trying to figure out things in, in, a, in, a, in a diplomatic and, and conflict resolution panel. This is Hezbollah's violent takeover of, of the security apparatus within the country and by force. And they proved themselves that they are willing to do this in Lebanon. These are not external weapons. These are internal weapons too. All of these things, and mm-hmm. going back to what you said earlier, which is, I think it is important, although it's maybe, it's not, not addressed the right way that often, and that it is a fait accompli, that the Gulf is a lifeline in many ways to Lebanese, for better or worse. That's just the reality of the region. And it's not just Lebanon, of course. So all these mm-hmm. things combined, sort of, you end up with a very, very painful situation compounded by some of the worst corrupt figures that we've we know too well uh, the chants on the streets echoed that and the most unpopular uh, players in modern Lebanese history in bed with that arrangement. And they're the ones, and maybe I didn't say it correctly the first time, they're the ones that Hezbollah depends on for its own survival. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they, they need that political cover. And if they don't have it, they don't have what they need. That includes things like Michel Aoun's blessing and their mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. That, that includes a weakened Hariri on their terms, a, a Hariri that, they, that they're happy with, not the father. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll take issue with one thing. I don't know if it's fair to put 1990 on Rafi Hariri, meaning that this is at a time the Syrian army is heavily involved in Lebanese affairs. This is where politicians are either exiled or, or sent to jail. This is under occupation and it's, it's a toxic relationship and it definitely didn't last. The economic model that everyone's criticizing didn't, didn't, didn't work, but it also didn't work due to these very, very inconvenient truths, which is the Syrian army in Lebanon for 15 years. And, and today, in a way, it's, it's not the Syrian army. It's a proxy militia that has tried to effectively replace that order. I know I said a lot. I think I said too much here, but I'd like to gauge your mind whether or not whether or not we we see this the same way, or, or are there fundamental points that are not lining up here? No, I think I think um, I don't think I would take issue with uh, with many things you say. I mean, definitely not the general line, you know. Look, I mean, and so uh, we can start in 1990 if you want. Um, I mean. Look, I'm not. It's it's not about putting the blame on Hariri, uh, on mm. Hariri, you know, mm. um, and and saying oh the Syrians were not, not there, no. But I mean, 
as a matter of fact, you know, there were there were players around in 1990. Rafi Hariri joined these players. Mm. He tried to. He believed uh, apparently that that in this scenario uh, he would he would be able to do to pursue this project to do mm. and mm. To, to get Lebanon a better place, and 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 he was wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he, and I mean, Allah was he wrong because. Um, because um, he was delusional was he wrong because the things in the regional regionally happened differently than what one could have imagined after madrid you know i mean You're right yeah uh, it's, it doesn't it doesn't matter to really discuss that you know mm-hmm. i mean i think i think the pe- i think the people who uh, the the people who organized the madrid conference were delusional really you <laughs> know i mean to think that this no, to think that this that, that this conflict could be solved this way, you know, and then to, mm-hmm. but I mean that's that's a that is that is a very long story, you know. So I mean there was an order established in in, in 1990, and uh, this order was the result of the fact that uh, the Syrians won the war, you know, mm-hmm. this Lebanese mm-hmm. civil war was won by Syria. I think this mm-hmm. is uh, this is something that 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 nobody will will deny. And um, and they controlled it for 15 years, you know. Mm-hmm. And when they were forced out, Hezbollah stepped in their shoes, you know. And this um, and this this implied the fact that the war was won by Syria, uh, the fact that then the the um, the, um, the peace arrangement that uh, that was sought and that perhaps was the, the 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 basis for the Americans to accept. That Syria would take over Lebanon. Okay, we're all moving towards this regional peace order. You know, all of this fell apart, and we ended up in a situation where um, where Lebanon was in a camp that um, that stood against um, what was tried, what, what was uh, what what those who uh, who authored Madrid and Oslo tried to achieve. You know, mm-hmm. Lebanon stood on the other side, and Lebanon paid the price. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and. And I would argue there was no there was no point in 2000 after 1990, there was not really a point uh, in in those in those th- 30 years where where it was possible to reverse that uh, that situation mm. or mm. to reverse that decision. Uh, even I mean, 2005 was perhaps the, the best uh, the best moment or the most auspicious moment for that for that way where this could have been achieved, you know. But I mean, in 2005, I mean, you had the same trouble that you had uh, now recently after the port explosion, I felt, which is basically that a part of the Lebanese comes together, you know, ha- has a vision, yeah. you know, yeah. but, it, but it forgets that there's another part, you know, there's another part of the Lebanese who has a different vision, you mm. know, and, you know, these, and, and, these other, and this other part is there and it doesn't go away and it, it has the weapons, of course, you know. Right. So, I don't think any anywhere in these thirty years there was the chance to do this to to reverse this outcome of the civil war that put Lebanon in that camp, mm. um, because there was nobody in, because that would have required like upsetting or reversing the result of the war would simply require another war. It's as simple as that. You know, it's as simple as that. And uh, and we've and we've seen between two thousand and five and two thousand eight. Which you mentioned the, um, the attempt to to achieve that reversal with political means, mm. you know? and uh, and we found that we found that that, that, this is, that this is not possible, and we found out that those in the U.S. and the Amer- and the Europeans partly too, those who basically uh, um, uh, encouraged uh, the Lebanese who wanted to change Lebanon's position in this. Uh, 
arrangement of powers, you know, who wanted to uh, to reduce the uh, or, or wanted to to, um, to to like change the status of, of Hezbollah. That that you know that those in the end, when push came to shove, they were alone, right? May I ask you where were the Americans on seven May seven? No, you know, nobody was there. Nobody wanted to actually push this to the end, which I think is a good, which I think was a good thing because the the, the result would be would have been disastrous. Mm. Is there a sort of a synergy between domestic opponents of Hezbollah's weapons and the foreign actors that are described? Meaning that, is it possible to see domestic opposition to Hezbollah's weapons as not part of a regional or an international? geopolitical thing that that in other words this is a lebanese position not not an american or an israeli or a saudi position mm-hmm. at least in terms of addressing the weapons because the reason i'm, I'm bringing this up from now is mm-hmm. there's that an acceptance that macron's uh macron's push is the right path and that comes out in the report mm-hmm. and macron was insistent on including hezbollah as opposed to the american hesitation and, and reluctance, which is also described. So that, would it be fair to say that there is a Lebanese position on Hezbollah's weapons, whether or not other countries adhere to it or whether or not it's, whether or not they're willing to go further with it and we're mentioning 2008, or whether or not they're willing to negotiate with Iran. I mean, that's sort of a different issue altogether. But that this is a Lebanese sovereign position, because I wasn't sure if that came out, Me- meaning it seemed like those that are tied up with the West or let's say regional actors should sort of quiet mm. down on the, on the weapons because for better or worse, and I think you said it and it's, it should be said, yeah, they, they, Syria did win the war and any, any, any attempt at pushing Hezbollah's weapons leads to more violence. So it's almost an acceptance of Hezbollah may have won or inherited that, that victory and there's nothing you can do about it. And I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Because it, it seemed at times like almost like a gentle slap on the face to the domestic opponents of Hezbollah's weapons, but maybe I maybe I misread it, and I just like your take on that. So, so I mean, no, I think there is definitely a Lebanese position on this. You know? mm. I mean, I mean, they're Lebanese like you, you know, like uh, um, they're they're all they're all the activists, you know, they are like uh, like some do think that this has priority, and other think uh, others think you know there are other priorities, uh, but. I don't think anybody anybody says that this is not something that at some point needs to needs to be addressed. You know, mm, mm, so there's mm. one Lebanese position on it, and there's mm. of course, and there's of course the counter position, you know, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is those people who support Hezbollah, uh, which is those uh, which is those people who may not support Hezbollah, but in gen- but support the uh, the general line. Uh, resistance line and what have right, you right, right. from the left to Arab nationalists and others. Yeah. Mm. So so there are these two Lebanese positions. Mm-hmm. And 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 there is of course the regional uh, the regional and international framework, you know. Right. And yeah. the, and the trouble here is is and, and that brings me that brings me back if you want to this to this reform issue, you know. I mean so so um I think I think it's it's very difficult for the people who if who represent the sovereignist if you want position mm. to make it to make a plausible claim that what they are asking for is not willingly or unwillingly intentionally or not um, serving american uh, regional policy 
purposes, you know. In particular, of course, under the situ in the situation of uh, of um, of uh, with the with the U.S. Uh, pursuing the maximum pressure policy, on, on Europe, right? yes, so, yeah. So it's very difficult to, to for for people like you to take this position and insist that this is a sovereign Lebanese position uh, and not and 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 put daylight between you. And, and 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 what the Americans are trying to achieve, and put and put daylight between you and and Israeli political interests, and that's and that is a dilemma, you know. And that's well, what uh, do you? Can I, I can I ask? Is, I'll, uh, I'll very. I mean, no, I'll, I'll interrupt here. But why why do you hmm. see that as uh, as lining up with Israeli? Uh, in other words, why is the Lebanese position not able to stand on its own, even if it's even if it doesn't take, even if it doesn't last, or even if it doesn't materialize? Why is I'm there not, that American no, really overlap? I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not that it can't stand on its own. You know, mm. that it's not has. It doesn't have its own legitimacy. Of course, it mm. does. You know? mm. Mm. But it, but the point is that that objectively speaking, uh, Lebanon is stuck in a, in in this regional confrontation. It's part of this regional confrontation. You know, and Hezbollah is first and foremost. You know, after being a problem for the Lebanese, for the Lebanese, it's a problem for the Israelis. You know, so anything like objectively speaking, you know, like anything that puts pressure on Hezbollah uh, it is very easy to represent as serving the interests of Israel. You know, and it's 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 it's, it's difficult to 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 escape this dilemma. You know, and it's difficult. You know, it's it, it always and we're going back to 1975. You know, I mean, and and and. and the positions that Nasrallah now now uh, now expresses that almost repeat what was in 1975 you know if you say there cannot be and that's Nasrallah that's quoting Nasrallah directly you know uh, we cannot be there's no neutrality between between uh, what's the word the just and the unjust yes, yeah right. you know and that and that's like I mean you go back to 1975 you know you know if it's between the Arabs and Israel you can't be neutral there is no such thing as neutrality. This is you. You're stuck in that same dilemma, you know. Like if, like there is this this regional conflict is going on. You want this. You have these demands to Hezbollah. You have an issue with this, with the, with these weapons, uh, because of purely Lebanese interests and and uh, and uh, concerns, you know. But uh, but it's 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 very difficult to con to uh, I would say it's impossible to convince. Your partners in in the country, the other side, you know, the, the other part of the Lebanese who are fit forty percent, fifty percent, I don't know, you know, to convince these this other part that this is not serving the purpose of the enemy. You know? But so, but that okay, you know, and I, I'll, if you yeah, but in in that kind of in that narrative, which let's say that is that yes, talking to a um, uh, a Hezbollah soldier or, or hard or very sort of. Uh, long-term supporter mm. with or without any conflict that this is sort of the not right, only to, yeah no no and, not but not only to, but no but not only these you know i mean the i mean this i mean the support for or the or the support for this for the for the resist, resistance rhetoric goes goes beyond the core oh no no of the course of course no no and i think actually i would even say that maybe the majority of the country was very sympathetic mm. to that position not too long ago so even that but i'm i'm more talking about uh 2006 uh, maybe even, I mean, the resistance, I think, I mean, I remember growing up that it was very hard to, I mean, there were, there was a, uh, 
there was a legitimacy afforded to Hezbollah that diminished over time. And that's the last maybe two decades that it kind of, once the Israelis left, I think that became sort of the, mm-hmm. the challenge for Hezbollah to re-legitimize itself or re-legitimize its weapons. But I mean it in terms of the, um, mm-hmm. I, would, I would disagree. I think, uh, I think it doesn't really matter what the Israelis or the Americans think. And, and I would also say that it doesn't matter whether or not Hezbollah supporters or resistance supporters see this as serving an American-Israeli project. I mean it as a baseline. It is hard for me to see any country getting its act together with a proxy militia. The cause is irrelevant, not that it's Shia or Sunni, whether it's Fatah in the, in the 70s, the Uwait in the 80s, the Syrians in the 90s, it just doesn't matter that there's, a, there's a, another party with weapons able to determine the outcome. That, that's, and so whether or not the Israelis uh, are on board or not, or whether or not the Americans are sympathetic or not, I think is irrelevant. So that's, that's what I meant by it, it. I don't think that should be the stumbling block for talking about weapons. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'm going to take, I'll introduce another quote and we can sort of uh, have it back and forth. Uh, mm-hmm. This is sort of brushing towards the end of the piece. Uh, there, there is still time to prevent additional disaster in Lebanon, yet it will require Lebanon's factions and foreign sponsors to work together to save the country and to keep their focus squarely on reform. Macron's approach putting reform and economic rescue over a reckoning with Hezbollah was the correct one, even if it has for now hit a wall. Is it, is it, uh, is it fair to say that the Macron approach, whether or not it works, whether or not it, it's given another chance, or it might be the only way forward at the end in terms of getting everyone to sort of agree to, a, to an emergency response. And I think there is a humanitarian uh, a meeting meant to happen this month. So there is going to be some aid. It might not be state restructuring. It may not be proper reform, but the French are, are trying to help on their terms. But I mean, in terms of how do you get Lebanon out of this mess once and for all? I, I would argue that regional addressing of Hezbollah's weapons takes is, is far more important than uh, sort of forcing reformists in the country to accept the status quo that Hezbollah is here to stay. Meaning meaning that long-term, these mm. are the same people that will run, a, run up against Hezbollah. It, it's, it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. That if you have people really trying to change the state and improve the state, they're going to end up in sovereignty issues. That just comes with it. And security and foreign policy are part of that. That they will hit the same wall. And I like mm-hmm. that you mentioned 2005 earlier. Mm-hmm. This isn't the first time a bunch of Lebanese went to the street mm-hmm. demanding something, demanding an end to a certain form of civil war in the country. Mm-hmm. They did it again, and they're running up against the same wall long term. And I think Hezbollah has been careful, mm-hmm. maybe more careful this time around. And that, that's why you don't see sort of, you don't have leadership, you don't have, you don't have individuals that are targeted. You have intimidation at times, but it's not a violent, uh, it's not a violent put down of the protest movement. But nonetheless, long term, mm-hmm. it's, it's impossible for me to see reformists succeeding in Lebanon with with that status quo. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I don't know if Macron's efforts are really long term or whether they're short term survivability, that it's really just, mm-hmm. this is how you will ride out the next year or two, maybe if, if you're lucky, a few years, but long term, mm-hmm. there's, there's a hopeless cause with Hezbollah's weapons at play? Well, so first of all, let me tell you that, I mean, um, I 
I mean, I clearly agree uh, that mm. um, that any country that has to that has to deal with a with a militia that uh, that uses its territory to to uh, to wage war and. Uh, uh, without asking the government for its opinion, uh, you know, and uh, intervenes in regional conflict and so on and so forth. Of course, they're going to have a hard time of keeping the act together. There's no question about it. You know, the the question is, what can you do about it? Can you do something about it? And if you can, and if you do something about it, can you do it at an acceptable price? You know. Mm, so, mm. and and we have seen, um, I think, in two in 2008 at least, uh, that the answer was no. So now coming to to the Macron initiative, I mean, uh, it's clearly a short term thing, you know. I mean, I mean, Macron came here in uh, came to Beirut, I think, within thirty six hours after the uh, yeah, explosion, yeah. right? Mm. And then and then every and then everything wasn't wasn't fast forward. Um, it's clearly a short term thing, um, uh, but I mean, I think the point is that right now short term action is required. Because you know, we, we're not talking about two years anymore uh, from now until state collapse. We're talking about months. You know, we're talking about, it, according to Riyad Salami, which I don't think anybody should believe even one word these days. You know, but uh, in two months there will be the 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 subsidies for the import subsidies. We will, will have to be lifted. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's two or three months. I mean. Um, Something has to start right now because whatever is done right now will, of course, take months to fruition. Mm. You know, so if you start mm. now talking to the IMF, then maybe money comes comes in in the summer. I don't know how long these things takes, but not two months. You know, yeah. so in this moment we need to think about um, what are the immediate threats at hand. You know, mm. and immediate threats threats at hand are, are immediate threat at hand. Is state collapse and all that brings that comes with it. You know, I mean, starting from security uh, deterioration, going to famine, and I don't use that yeah. word lightly. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. There are more and more people using it, and I think I think rightly so. You know, so this is what we have to think about. And mm. um, just as a footnote, I mean, um, so so the the conference now is only about humanitarian aid that is going on now. You know? Right. Right. Like the clear position is. Lebanon will get humanitarian aid, and, and maybe by an expanded concept of humanitarian aid that, uh, that involves, I mean, that definitely goes beyond food parcels, you know, but there will be no structural reform package, uh, um, and there will be no reform package to, to fix the financial sector and get right. the economy back on its feet without these reforms, you know, so that's the approach. That's the approach. Now, um, I think the question, so, I mean, Will you in five, six, seven, ten years, whenever, whenever the situation has been sta has stabilized a bit, will people like you or activists, you know, like reformists, you know, people who are now trying to put together these parties, uh, uh, these non-sectarian, non-status quo parties and trying mm -hmm. to run to get into parliament, will they not run against, run up against Hezbollah again? And those sovereignty questions, of course they will. Yeah. Of course they will. There's yeah. no question that they, they, the, I mean, as you said, you know, I mean, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, if our if our target line, if it's where we want to go, with where we want to go uh, to reach, at some point is Belgium, let's say, you know, or Holland, you know, and even if we know that we won't reach there in 50 years, you know, but I mean, it's clear that 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 you know these parties are a problem. 
on the way and Hezbollah is a bigger problem than the other parties and is a problem of a different quality than the other parties. So yes, you will have to deal with that, you know, but I mean, but again, the question is, how are you going to deal with it? You know, I mean, you're not, you, you will have to face, you will, you will have to, um, you will, in, I think in 10 years, you will still have to, you may still have the same ideological opponent there, you know, and then, and you'll have, you'll be, you might be in the same dilemma, you know, like, I mean, unless, unless the Middle East, unless everything in the Middle East now develops towards detente, you know, like, mm, like they, mm, you get, mm. you, you get an agreement with, between Saudi and Iran, you know, like mm. the, you, you establish a new regional order over the, ne over the next 10 years, you know, then maybe, maybe the, 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 the reason to exist, the raison d'etre for Hezbollah, disappears you know, maybe then the party changes you know if if this if this regional confrontation does not exist anymore that is but, i mean so but i appreciate you're talking about 10 years the, right, the question right. is how you would, how lebanon survives the next year the next one or two years right no I, but i appreciate that so it's really it's an immediate it's an immediate strategy it's not yes. one necessarily meant to stabilize lebanon long term it's meant mm -hmm. to just address a which which no. you I, and i agree with these these words sound harsh but they're they're real the potential the threat of famine the the dire economic need the point is really i mean is really that this briefing that we talked about a lot now this was conceived immediately after the port blast you mm -hmm. know? and it was yeah. conceived after the port blast right and uh, where, where we saw where we saw i mean Within like hours, um, a, disc a discourse turning, this discourse building up that basically went from that this was Hezbollah. You know, I remember somebody writing on Twitter, you know, these are the thermobaric weapons of Hezbollah blowing up. I don't even know what thermobaric weapons are, you know, and and you know, people were writing this without any basis in fact, you know, and then it went over to uh, to sometimes. Uh, um, you know, like statements that I would qualify as anti anti Shiite, not anti Hezbollah, but anti Shiite bigotry. You know, I mean, there's this nasty stuff out there, uh, which I know where it comes from. You know, but I mean, that is it's not about justifying things. Then it's about in that moment, our thinking was okay. If this trend, if this becomes a trend, you know, then we're going back to 2007, right? We're going back to the same to the similar kind of confrontation polarization of 2007, what does this do to the already slim chances of reform? You know, what does this do to the system? You know, and, uh, and, and our concern was, and the concern still is, you know, is uh, that, it, that it will actually bring a, bring a political system that is already barely functioning to the point of complete collapse. You know, before the state collapses, the, the political system collapses. You know that was so that was the concern of this of this uh, of this that that is behind this uh, this piece of this contribution that we made. You know, mm -hmm. like how we get get out of the situation. And I think you know this. I mean, this thing was was published on I don't know November ten. You know, I think I mean so far the what has happened. Uh, bears this out, I believe. You know, I mean, I don't think we are wrong with our predictions, and I don't think we are wrong with our concerns. And I think this is where we're going, and and we lead, we're reaching to the point. And this is, I wanted to make that point before. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. this like the question, this question about we spoke, about, we mentioned this earlier. So, to what extent, uh, what level of reform, or what what scope of reform will a player like Hezbollah accept? You know, and 
I believe it is very much depending on on if this if if this kind of reform can be credibly uh, presented as something that as, as steps that are undertaken to uh, to help the Lebanese, you know, to provide to prevent collapse, to help the Lebanon to access money like IMF money, for instance. You know? Right. If it can be credibly presented as that, and it, the demands that 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 are being made on the Lebanese audit and what have you, you know, can be can be credibly presented as uh, steps that are necessary, which they are. There's no question about it. That steps that are necessary to reach that point where the outside can help. You know, it's very clear that if you don't have an audit of the central bank, you can't send money into the system. There's no mm -hmm. question about it. You know, so. But the, but the trouble is that that um, with the rhetoric that we have that we have been hearing from the Americans um, since then, and not only the rhetoric but what they did actually, sanctions. You know the sanctions against Finianos and uh, Khalil. You know right in the middle of the two weeks that uh, what, uh, what's his name, uh, Adib had to put together his government. You know all this creates the impression creates the impression. This is not about helping Lebanon. It's not about reform. This is about rolling back Hezbollah, marginalizing them, diminishing them. And this is not some. And this is not a reading. The Americans are saying this. They're saying this explicitly. We think they think that this is an opportunity to roll back Hezbollah. These reforms are an opportunity to roll back Hezbollah. And if this is how the party sees it, I mean, if put, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. What would you do? You know, you'll not cooperate. Before wrapping it up, and I, um, you're very nice. You've given me more of your more than our agreed time, so I really appreciate that. It, it means a lot you to me. As much time as you want. <laughs> I should get you more often when you're sick. That's just what we should do. Is just talk. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Depends. Depends. <laughs> depends when. Depends when the movie ends. And the, yeah, uh, then right. I have to put the guy, little guy, to. to uh, yeah, I, I promise you. It's a, a long movie, though. I promise you a good ending in the near term. <laughs> no, I, I want to just. Okay. Before we wrap it up, just one one question because it, it it crossed my mind. And I, I think I saw the same tweets that you're referring to. These very vicious tweets, mm. and uh, mm. a lot of it also was sort of interwoven with fabrications and people making up stories about yeah. what they saw. So there was a lot of hysteria and and venom. I think all of us sort of saw them, and they were they were very unappealing, and and uh, they mm. were uh, they spoke to the ugliness of what is always there. In, in Lebanese and uh, Lebanese uh, society, and mm -hmm. th this is real. But but I'm going to add to that the yes. port port security and port customs and and borders and the airport and the sites that Hezbollah depends on for their own weapons. Mm -hmm. Would it be fair to say that part of the stagnation and part of the mismanagement and part of the part of the ineptitude and the corruption that allows something so dangerous to live in the middle of Beirut for, for seven years, that Hezbollah does play a role in at least circumventing what should be state monopoly. That in other words, this turn a blind eye to, to, to dangerous sites, and this is all across the borders, this is also in the port and the airport, that Hezbollah by default makes it harder, just makes it harder to at least address these kinds of issues. Not saying that this is their storage, on the contrary, but saying that dangerous things like this can happen when a state is not allowed to exercise its full jurisdiction, at least mm -hmm. in terms of 
customs and and access and borders and and that stuff is that is that a fair uh, fair reading of Hezbollah's in, indirect indirect role in keeping sites like this unmanageable? So so um, okay so I mean you, I mean you ask um, I mean you ask you're asking a counterfactual question right? Uh, and what so sense? let me give you. In, in the sense they say like, like um, if if they were not there could it happen could it ha- would it happen this way could it happen this way if they were not there sorry would it I, happen th- oh. I meant I meant in terms of you're, you're right no no I meant in terms of that this is the reason why sovereignty should be addressed as a, as much as economic okay. reform that oh, tragi- okay. tragedies can happen of such okay. magnitude that exacerbate things mm. even even mm. further mm. okay so so I mean so I'll ask you you know so um you know, I mean, I mean, so who benefited from the situation in the port? Who benefited? Who benefited? That's a counterfactual question. What do you mean? No, 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 no. That's not counterfactual. No, no, I, I'm just know. playing, playing with what you said earlier. What, what, what do you mean? No. I didn't understand. Who, who, like, so, so the fact that in the port, you know, the, that the port, um, customs authorities and everything like every single system that exists in the port was geared towards uh, um, siphoning of money mm-hmm. that go to that should go to the state was geared towards bringing in things to uh, without um, without uh, paying the paying custom dues and so on right. and so yeah. forth. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Who, like, so, so who benefited from that until August 4th. It's not counterfactual. Oh, I didn't understand the right? question. I thought you meant post-blast. I thought you meant who no, benefited no, from no, the blast. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Who, blame, who, who benefited from the status quo? I mean, we all know who. We all know that every, that it happens with the connivance of everybody. Everybody was involved, and that's the fact. The fact is that in Lebanon, wherever you have a trough, you know, a trough from which those animals can feed, everybody is going to come and eat. You know, and it's going to happen with the connivance of everybody. You know, and so, and within that, uh, within that um, feast uh, at that throw, everybody does his own thing. You know, and Hezbollah does its own thing. Maybe they bring in weapons. Maybe they bring in other things. Who knows? You know, maybe they bring. Maybe they don't bring in the weapons to the port. Maybe they bring it somewhere else. But what I'm saying is, it's not a problem of. Well, at least by far not only a problem of state sovereignty it's the it's the it's the it's a it's the um it's a problem of state authority and state autonomy you know it's the it's the problem that state institutions have been captured the state institutions have been captured by political players they have been captured by the post 1990 uh 1990 uh, political elite, which is a good for a good part, is the wartime warlord elite, right? You know, and Hezbollah is part of that game. You know, they joined it. A, they joined it a bit later. You know, maybe they joined it in different ways, but 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 they joined it like everybody. Now, if you fix, and that's here, it comes to the to the counterfactual, um, to the counterfactual part of the question. Now. So, if we imagine that the port is fixed, if we imagine that the borders. Are better controlled, you know. If we if we imagine that like all kinds of illicit businesses are like become more difficult because the state is autonomous, is, is more like efficient, you know, is more autonomous from political players, you know, uh, and not only the state but also the judiciary, you know, so that you that if like somebody is caught accepting bribes, that person can actually be sent be sent to jail, 
right? right? Yeah. You know, so if if all right, if if all of this happens, if all of this happens, will that make make it difficult, more difficult for Hezbollah to operate? Of course, it will make it more difficult for them um, to operate. Will it stop them from operating? I don't think so. You know, I mean, I mean, a party that uh, that brings in. I don't know. I mean, like before the, all the sanctions against Iran, what were the numbers that the Americans were quoting? Seven hundred and fifty million dollars, or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that you know, a, a party, a, a player with that kind of revenue stream. You know, I mean, even in a country like Belgium or Holland, will find ways to uh, to work past the system. You know, it will be more difficult. It will be more expensive. You know, but it, but Hezbollah will still, I would, I believe, would still function. Could probably still function as it did as it did before, and we're talking here about. And I, I think we should be clear about this. And I think you would agree. We're talking about the unicorn scenario. This is not going to happen. Huh? This is not going to happen. What we have, what we, in the best case of scenario is that we can achieve a bit less corruption, a bit more oversight, a bit more accountability, maybe with international involvement. I mean, you know that that um, uh, I think the British and the Germans for years have been helping the Lebanese to improve border security after 2006. What has it done? What is the effect of it? You know, I mean, I mean the, the amount of seeing power and money and persistence that you need to actually turn a situation that is so, like corruption is so endemic, where everybody really, and, um, and really, you know, is involved and benefits, you know? I mean, I mean, you, I mean you'll, you'll make small steps towards a better situation, but you'll know, you won't reach a situation where I said, okay, done with smuggling, done with Hezbollah. No, this is, no, no, uh, not, this is I, a unicorn. Scenario. You know, actually, okay, so I'll, I'll use the word unicorn to sort of segue into the, the final question. I think it's something that's, I really wanted to explore this with you. But just before getting there, I find it hard to see lawlessness and the absence of state authority, mm -hmm. whether it's hijacked by, by that group or whether it's used by any player that's trying to make money through corruption. And the port is a great example of that. Um, I just see it as something that is so fundamental that it's, it's ignoring it is maybe exposing the fact that all that can be done, at least in terms of, uh, at least in terms of policy mm -hmm. advice is aim for the near, near term. I think that's what I'm getting from this, that, fixing the port where that you can't have this situation happen again. That's not what the ethos of this document is. It's really just mm -hmm. get, avoid complete collapse. I think I'm, I'm getting that from right. the piece. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I would, let's use the word unicorn. I don't know about that. I think, I think uh, Hezbollah has maybe created that unicorn situation. That's why that's, that's the issue at stake is that, it's reached the point now where you can't talk about their weapons, even among people that are reformists who would like to see an economic uh, plan that it's sensitive. And this is among protesters. This is among many people. It's not just policymakers or, or think tanks. Or it's it's sort of a, it's taken for granted now that talking about Hezbollah changes the story. And I think Hezbollah has created that narrative that they've created that circumstance where they're shielded. Now they're shielded in a way that I think is beyond Lebanon's control. I actually think that the answers are not in Lebanon. And I, I'm going to assume that there's commonality here. Is it worth, whether it's an ICG sort of document or whether it's anyone's, a diplomat or a think tank or a country or even a, a network 
where something that is radical, the way other conflicts have been resolved is applied to the Lebanese story, the way countries have been shielded before. And let's go back to the European sort of examples that are very high. I mean, Austria was, it's, it's built into its constitution. The Soviets and the Americans instilled the idea of neutrality in Austrian mm. foreign policy and Austria was spared. Austria was spared the Cold War by and large. Mm. I think Finland is, is, a, is a sort of similar example where the Soviets and the Americans more or less agreed that Finland is out. Switzerland does it on its own. We don't have to go that far. But I mean, in terms of figuring out a solution to Hezbollah's weapons that brings the Iranians in, that brings mm -hmm. the Saudis in, that brings mm -hmm. the Americans, the mm -hmm. Russians, everyone, that Lebanon should finally be left alone. Mm -hmm. Is there anything there or is that, is that such a lofty goal that that should be thrown out the window? Well, so, and, and I mean it, I mean it so that if there's going to be my minimum economic reform in the near future, mm -hmm that the long-term Lebanon does survive, that it doesn't mm -hmm. turn into a failed state that we live with for, for the rest of our lives so that mm -hmm. the delicate issue can be addressed once, once and for all. Mm. Okay. Um, just a remark here, you know, you mentioned Finland, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting, you know, that, I mean, if you, and you mentioned Finland as a positive example, and I think, I mean, I think that's a accurate um, an accurate evaluation. When when I was when I was a kid or a teenager, you know, in Germany, in West Germany, you know, I mean, Finland, Finlandization uh, <laughs> was a was a bogeyman. You know, mm -hmm. it basically means you know, it's the, it's uh, like pseudo neutrality, but you really so you really have sub submitted you know, submission to the Soviets. You know? mm -hmm. So I mean, I mean, it's it's it's. Mm. Maybe an interesting example, you know, how these uh, how these concepts very easily can get colored by mm, mm. which exactly ideological uh, framework you are in, or, or dominates the discourse. Now, if we think about the unicorn scenario. I think there's. I don't think it's actually a unicorn scenario necessarily. And 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 to to say it like to from to, to front load that. Uh, I mean as we in crisis group, I think in general, uh, we don't believe in great bargains. Uh, mm, you mm. know, we, we believe that grain bargains are, you know, fantastic beasts, or mythical animals, and we don't know where to find them. You know? And they, <laughs> they, they rarely, they rarely ever happen. You know, and they, if they ever happen, then they happen like, and when they really massive uh, uh, shifts in, mm, in, in mm. the international balance of power right. 1990 you know so it could have happened in the middle east uh, mm. in 1990 and it was attempted in the middle east in the 1990s mm. just yeah. unfortunately went, went terribly wrong you know and uh, i mean whatever we can say now about china and russia i don't see this you know tech what do they call that? Tectonial shift? Oh yeah 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 that sounds yeah. right tectonial shift yes yes yeah yeah I don't really see this this happening now. If we think about about like not so not outside the big bargain, <clears throat> um, so we know that the, that that uh, Joe Biden is going to go wants to go back to the GCPOA, you know? and we know that um, that a lot of the criticism um, that was uh, that was launched against the Obama administration um, was. Basically said, um, you know, you basically sold the region to the Iranians. You know, the, 
Like the moment the Iranians agreed on the nuclear deal, you know, you know, like you threw everybody under the bus. Mm, you threw mm. the Saudis, the Emiratis, and what have you under the bus. Now, was that a fair criticism? Wasn't that a fair criticism? I, I don't want to judge that, you know. And anyway, between mm. the signing of the GCPOA and Trump taking over with the intention from the very beginning to tear it all up, yes, was right. a short was a short period of time, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, but but I think when so so. If, if we think about the best case scenario, you know, so Biden going back to the GCPOA, actually finding somebody on the other side of the table, you know, like reaching a point where like um, where the Iranians are on board as well. And then we move on to talk about um, the regional conflicts, the regional flashpoints, you know? mm -hmm. and then and, uh, like Yemen, Iraq, you know. None of these are actually insolvable. None of these are actually intractable. You know, Yemen is not intractable. I mean, it's, I think, I mean, we don't want to get into it, you know, but, but, but Yemen is, I think Yemen is perfectly solvable. Iraq is perfectly solvable. Uh, Lebanon is, among all of these, is the, perhaps the most difficult uh, one. Mm -hmm. And, and, and a lot, of course, alongside with Syria, you know, and, but the two are linked and the two are connected. And, and Lebanon is Lebanon is uh, perhaps the most the most difficult one because it's immediate. It's, in the end, you come back to the central Middle East. The central problem of the Middle East conflict is what do you do with Israel? You know, what do you do with the position of Israel? What do you do with those who still reject the uh, the existence of Israel? Even uh, like not to not even talk about its regional ambitions, what have you? You know, and I think we I think we need. I mean. We need to accept that there's no, I mean, there's no quick solution to this to this problem. You know, we we need to accept that that I mean that um, even if we're talking about uh, Saudi or the UAE or all these countries that are now signing peace deals, you know, with with Israel, you know, I mean, to actually get from a place where regimes that are not democratically legitimated in any shape or form mm. sign peace deals. You know, to the point where you actually have peace that deserves the name. I mean, it's a generational project. You know, maybe more than two generations. I live in Egypt. Egypt signed this. You know, when they signed the peace agreement, Jordan signed the peace agreement. You know, like I mean, you find the most the most like vile anti-Semitism sure. and hatred yeah. to Israel in Jordan these days. You know, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. so I mean, so it's, it's not only about which states sign up to this and I'm not. You know, but but to reach that point. Uh, um, you need, I think we need to accept that we need, that it's a generational project at least, you know. So can we find a, a situation where the, the, the danger of an actual conflict between these state actors uh, can, can be reduced? And I think this is possible, you know. I mean, you know, this, this is... This and I like I like that wider sort of perspective on on all the conflicts that have kind of they're interwoven at the moment, and some are easier to fix, Definitely. and some some are yeah. not. But it would be it would be a it would be it would be fantastic to be able to survive this part of the world and not have to worry about every conflict finding its mm -hmm. way into the Lebanese story, and that includes the Arab-Israeli conflict, where you don't have to play host to militia from the '70s that were supported by part of the population, but you don't need that to be the justification that still a country can wither these storms. And mm -hmm. I mean, every single conflict in my, in my whole life, when, since I was born, every Middle East conflict has sort of 
found its way into my routine in Lebanon, which is it's it's and we all live with that. And it would be it would be great. I like that you mentioned the Finlandization was a was sort of a, maybe looked at as a Soviet joke, maybe, but but still mm-hmm. Finland did not Finland survived the Cold War mm-hmm. intact. Austria survived. The Balkans, I don't think of as a conflict zone anymore, even even if some some form of conflict does resurface. It's hard for me to see the level of pain and suffering that the Balkans went through. And I just don't, I would like, I mean, it's because Russia, Russia is not, Russia is not going to go in and trying to force us present again, they have a military force, right? You know, would, would, if they were to decide, if Russia were to decide that they want to reverse what happened in the Balkans in the 1990s when they were weak and when they accepted Dayton and when they accepted uh, mm, that, mm. That, that basically that, uh, to that, bas- that Milosevic was drawn to the, was, was dragged to yes, the negotiation right. table, you know, yeah. and they accepted this, you know, and this, this, is why it, this is why it was possible to solve it, you know, if the Russians decided to reverse this development, you know, reclaim their historical uh, backyard, mm. if you want, down there, I think uh, I'm not sure what, what what's going to happen. I don't see them doing this, you know. I mean, they have other, they have bigger fish to fry uh, near more nearby, you know. But I mean, the point is, in the Balkans is a great example, you know. Like, I mean, I mean, you can arrange things and live in shared misery uh, of like, uh, like I mean, of the kind of misery that you can deal with, you know, without the danger of conflict. Right. If the big guys. Are no longer interested in playing in your in your backyard. Yeah, and I think that's that's really what I was getting at. Is it would be great to be able to have that life experience at some point yeah. in in in, uh, in the near For future. Sure. You're very kind with your time, and Ahemshi, uh, you're fine post COVID testing negative, and uh, I, I really appreciate Thank you. I really appreciate the being able to flush out these areas of potential disagreement and friction. I, I actually like, I like getting to the bottom of these issues mm-hmm. and I'm going to include the report as, as I said earlier. And uh, I recommend anyone who's curious about the long view to, to mm-hmm. check it out and every other report that's been featured in, on your website. The one, well, well, I, I would say the, read the one before too. You know, okay. Because the one, the one before is, is much, is older, but it's much longer. It's, that actually, um, that actually uh, tri- uh, tries to present uh, the more long-term vision, you know, and it's, it's not far from, from, what a, uh, from what a guy who's a friend of mine who's, I guess, you're also friend with or know, Faisal Itani. You know? Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, actually, yeah. I, I know him well. I even wrote a piece yeah. uh, for, the, for his think tank not, not too long yeah, ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so it's it's not far from from the idea that Faisal has described. As you know, this gradual approach, you know, like mm, for mm. for like non-status quo parties, reformers, you know, like gain representation in parliament, uh, um, start pl- changing the way these games up these games are played. You know, like and they, right now we have a, you have a situation that you know when something like like situation a situation like it existed in the port in the port there's not a single political player who has any interest to change anything about it right it was everybody benefits you know you bring in one political player who's who doesn't want who is not part of it and doesn't want to be part of it you know unlike the fpm who came with this big anti-corruption agenda uh, only for the purpose of gaining of gaining a slice of the of the of the pie of corruption right you know but if you have in one major if you have a block a parliament block in parliament of 10 15 mps 
who have the access that you get in Parliament, who can actually make law proposals, you know, who can take things if there are 10 of them, can think things, uh, things to the Constitutional Council once it's operational. I'm not sure if it is right now. Um, yeah. Good question. Huh? <laughs> you know, no, but it, it, change, it changes the game. You know, it changes the game, and and I think and I think and I think another another thing that uh, that that people like you uh, and uh, if you want that piece of advice, you know, if you're interested in, you know, I think what what one what one uh, people like you who who try to find a way out of this, you know, and try to confront Hezbollah about these weapons, you know, is uh, I think. Is, to, is an argument you can make is like, we want to have a voice. We want to be asked, you know, you are doing foreign policy on our behalf and you're not asking our opinion, you know. I think this is a ground to stand on to say, like, this is, this is uh, we have a problem with this, you know. We want, we, want, we want to be consulted about this. You have, a, you have a policy of deterrence versus Israel. You have a policy of this, one of these, that. You never ask anybody's opinion any, at any point, you know. Heiko, we I want to... We want to discuss this with you. I, I live in I accept this. I live in those footsteps. I mean, this is what my father did for a living, and he, yeah, was, no, he I was killed by Hezbollah. So that that's part of my problem is that I, I try to keep that. I I appreciate that advice, and I think that is the right way forward. And I think the last thing anyone should bet on is either external uh, arms doing your work for you, and violence should not be an issue. Uh, should not even be on the table. I don't think violence can solve this conflict. And I also think that a, I think a regional solution is, for better or worse, it's the only way out. I, I don't think Hezbollah, and you mentioned this earlier, which I appreciated at the beginning, it, its priority is not necessarily the Lebanese state. And if that no. state is to be re, reborn at some point, the way I think a lot of us would like to see it, Hezbollah would choose its, its own sort of uh, raison d'etre, and that, that, that's going to lead to conflict with anyone who enters the halls of power in Lebanon, reformists or, or sectarian politicians or anyone that's trying to advance that long-term goal. But I think that, that made that, I'm going to include that other piece. I'm going to include it in the episode, the one right before the, uh, the November piece, and I'll make sure it's, uh, it's easily accessible. And I really appreciate your time. And uh, I hope we can catch up later. And I, I, I keep reading these, uh, the, as long as you keep them free, I'll keep reading them. So don't, don't, oh, no. never, never no, charge, no. never charge, please. I don't, no, no, no. Obviously not. No. I'm a loyal, loyal reader. <laughs> no, no, we, we are, we, we are non-commercial and we like our funding is, I mean, we're getting, receiving funding from a whole, uh, a whole uh, cluster of, of your mostly European governments, mm. right, to make sure that it's balanced out and right. foundations and everything, you know. So, I mean, we don't earn any money in, for, with, from these pieces, and that's really good the objective. On that note, thank you, and, and good luck, and I, I appreciate your time, Michael. Okay. Thanks, Ronnie. It was a pleasure. Bye. Thanks for listening, and a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box below. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs>